Rather abrupt ending to that song. Um, but uh, it's, it is important for us, to remi- for, for us to be reminded of that. And I think especially in light of what we're going to be discussing today, it's really important for us to remember that, wait a minute, this world is not our home. And no matter how much we accumulate, it doesn't buy us any more time here. We, you know, the old adage, you can't take it with, uh, with you. And we're all aware of that intellectually, but yet we live as if the money that we accumulate in our bank accounts is going to save us someday. And that's what we're talking about today as we talk about what, what is right and just and fair as we continue to look primarily at Proverbs, but also just over the whole wisdom tradition of the Bible is, is like, how ought we to live our lives? You know, and we're taking kind of a big sweep as we, as we look at that, uh, this summer. So we've covered some of the basic groundings of what is wisdom and you can, uh, Go back and listen to those online, but now we're approaching different, uh, different specific issues. And, and this week we're gonna talk about, uh, fools. And, and I, and just like last week where I was kind of reluctant to use the term the poor to talk about the poor because that just felt weird, it also feels kind of weird to talk about fools. That's not a, 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 a very polite or nice thing to say about people. It's not, fun to be like uh if i uh, it feels weird to say that there are a group of people here a uh, group of people who are fools here in front of my mother who's told me not to say mean things about people if you don't have anything to, nice to say don't say anything at all and and we don't we live in a polite society where we don't like to say that people are fools we don't like to call people's behavior out as foolish it's not Nice, and, and uh, you know, you might do it anonymously on the internet, but, but we don't do it in polite company to each other's faces. And, and I think that that's, uh, that's part of our society, but also, uh, first, it's not nice, and second, it's also dangerous. You see, uh, you know, this is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.22, and, and in this whole series in the Sermon on the Mount, he takes behaviors that are expected of people and have been for thousands of years through the Torah, and he and he ups the ante on them. He says, "You have heard this. Will I tell you this, which is more intense and 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 more purposeful than than the thing that you knew before?" So this is you heard you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, "You shall not murder," and anyone who murders will be subject to du- judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Um, now, and, and, and this is kind of something that we should be a little bit concerned about. Raka is a word that isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament. It's very difficult to, to discern what that actually means in the original Greek, but it seems to have something to do with, with the empty headedness. Uh, that's, and, uh, and it was, but it was a word that, uh, you, that if you said that out loud to a brother or sister, they could take you before the religious courts and be like, they said this about me. If they had two witnesses, then you could get in trouble for that and have to pay, um, perhaps have to pay some sort of compensation. Um, but Jesus ups the ante and says, anyone who says you fool or more, uh, more is the word that he uses, the same Greek word from where we get the term moron. Anyone who says you moron will be in danger of the fire of hell. There's a judgmentalism. There's a, there's a, uh, a, a casting aspersion on your brother or sister that, that, that should, you should be concerned about before we start calling other people names. Um, but what's interesting is that as much as you are in danger of the fires of hell, if you say these things, it's dangerous ground to tread upon. 
The Bible in its wisdom is not afraid to call people fools. The Bible in its wisdom is not afraid to call uh, people's actions foolish. It's not afraid to call individuals and groups alike foolish and to say that there are fools. And, and that's an important thing for us to grasp because we as followers of Jesus live in a world where the things that we live out, the way that we view the world and the way that we uh, build our lives or ought to as followers of Jesus is seen by many people to be silly. And a life following Jesus causes us, or it ought to cause us at the very least, to prioritize things differently than the rest of the world prioritizes them. It causes us to, 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 to love differently. It causes us to repent of wrong and to be concerned about making sure that we're doing the right things. It causes us to forgive people that have no earned forgiveness on our part. It causes us to, to give generously in the face of, 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 of a world that tells us to be selfish and hoard. It causes us to, to uh, sorry, it causes us to sacrifice in ways that the world does not expect of us and appears foolish to us. That is the, the, the life that we've been called to. And many people outside the church view the way that we, the ways that we are called to live as archaic at best, possibly foolish, and at worst, uh, regressive to society and hateful to, and possibly hateful and impeding the progress of society and endangering the planet. That's what the messages that we hear from the outside world. And we hear and see and take in messages that are designed to make us doubt things that we know are true, that are designed to make us question the very foundations we've been given in this Bible. And we are given messages uh, every day that, that w- try and force us to accept things that ought to repulse us. And, and we ought to have a language to, to, to push those messages aside. We need to have a language category to be able to put those messages in in order to, to, to properly process them. To help us clarify what we're taking in the messages that we're taking in in light of God's truth and and to reorient ourselves to God and what he is doing in the world. And and that's a lot of words that as I read off that paragraph and said it out loud, I'm like, that was way more clear in my head than it was when I actually said it out loud. But we know what this is like, where you've gone through an entire week where you've heard, or I I know it, if I've spent an entire day like just reading all of the news stories off my Twitter feeds and and hearing everyone's opinion all the time and and listening to the news and just interacting with people you you get you get this image of the the world as a is a is a frightening and scary place that's constantly against you everyone's at each other's throats all the time we're on the verge of destruction at any given moment and 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 there is no safety and nothing really matters so do whatever you want the the the, the, the there is a nihilism and a destruction in the world that is just perceived around us that, that, that causes us to, me or at least, to just be very confused all the time. And I need to step back from that and reintroduce myself to the truth of God's word and, and just to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's kind of dumb. And, and, and it's only in the quiet of, of just pushing all those things aside. It's only in the, the quiet of, of reading something with some clarity and some truth to it that you begin to see that like, wait a minute, some of the things that I'm hearing in this world are foolish and some of these things are, are lies. So we're going to look at what the Bible calls foolish and use it as a filter for our own behavior and also for the, uh, 
behavior of others. And this is a, and I think that this is going to be fun because uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Anyway, so we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Uh, you know that I love Deuteronomy. So this is the first, uh, it's not the first time the foolish is used, but it's the first word that we're going to use to describe foolish. And, and in this, um, Moses is complaining about how the people of Israel consistently turn away from God, despite the fact that they know that w- what he's true. And this is what he said. He's talking about the people of Israel. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they are a warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator who made and formed you? And this is... uh, and this is, uh, the word that he's, that, uh, Moses uses when he calls the people foolish is Nabal. You Nabal and unwise people. And, uh, Nabal is an act, adjective which just describes any kind of basic ignorance and ignoring of obvious facts. Okay? So this is, this is someone who sees something in front of their face and then doesn't pay any attention to it. Uh, so, and, and, when he's when Moses is using this, this to describe the people of uh, the people of Israel, he's saying that like God has did 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 you miss the whole time when like God you were slaves in Egypt and God brought you out and now you're going to ignore Him like that's what he's talking about is like there's an obvious things that are happening all around you and you're turning and ignoring and disobeying God's laws and following other example uh, 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 other idols. The perfect example of this is the story of the golden calf. Do you remember the story of the gold? Okay, so the story, people of Israel have been led out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, they, the, the ten plagues, all that kind of stuff. They're led across the, the, the Red Sea, which is dry, and then they go to the other side of the Red Sea, and as they leave, the sea closes up and drowns all the Egyptians. And then they, they, they go to, to Mount Zion, and the Lord himself descends on top of the mountain with with smoke and fire and thunder and lightning, this amazing display of the power of God in the physical world that that caused the people of Israel to step back and say, we don't want to confront the Lord. We, we can't handle that. Moses, you go talk to him on our behalf, okay? So you got to get into your head the, the story of the people of Israel. Within a series of literally months, they had experienced 10 plagues, of Egypt. They had experienced walking across the Red Sea. They'd seen the pillar of cloud during the day, the pillar of fire at night. They'd seen the spirit of the Lord descend on the mountain and flame and, and, and lightning and thunder. And, and they see, and, and it's in front of them and they stand in the shadow of the mountain. And then once Moses goes up and he's gone for 15 minutes or so, they say like, they turn to Aaron and they say like, we, we, we need gods to lead us. Cause this Moses guy, we don't know what he's doing. And they turn their backs on the mountain and, and Aaron takes their earrings and, and fashions, a golden, fa, uh, fashions a golden calf out of it and says, behold, Israel, your gods. And they all turn from the flame and the smoke and the thunder and the lightning and the power. And they say like, yes, this small statue is obviously the God that has brought us out of Egypt. We will bow down to him. That is the textbook definition of Nabal. You're turning your back on the obvious, and, and, and you're just doing something that makes no sense at all. There's a willful, I'm, I don't like that truth, I'm going to ignore that truth to embrace this thing that I know is a lie. Uh, and a, a, a contemporary example for us in Edmonton would be the fact that, obviously no one in this room, because we're all perfect, but... Um, 
how all of us in this city forget how to drive in the first snow of the winter. Like, we all know what this is like. We all think that, like, ah, it's snowing. We've been through this, some of us, like, 30, 40 years of driving, and we just think that we can travel at the exact same speed that we did beforehand. It's like we all know that winter is coming. We all know that we have to slow down. But for some reason, it takes us two weeks of smashing into each other to realize, like, oh, wait a minute, this is how you drive in the winter. We're all collectively Nabal together, right? We forget. We, we, so what is a fool? We ignore the obvious. Winter is coming. We know how this works. And we ignore the obvious. Okay, next one. This is fun too. So this is a story from 2 Samuel uh, 20, uh, 24. And at this time, David is the king of Israel. He's got... Uh, Uh, He's become king of Israel. He's pushed out Saul. He's been king for a long time. He he started to expand his kingdom. Things are going pretty well for him. And uh, and at one point uh, in in 2 Samuel 24, David decides to take a census and count how many uh, people he has in his army, which seems like a pretty benign thing to do, except that God had told him, hey, don't count your army. Don't, don't, don't do that. Now, you might be saying, like, why, what's wrong with counting things? Counting things can be fun. It's good. It's a good and wise thing to do. Except that God was concerned about the people of Israel that one, they would, that, that as king, David would start to evaluate his battles, not based on what God was calling him to, but on what he was capable of doing based on his resources. Now, I'm not saying that that means God wants you not to count the money in your bank. Like, I think that that's a a wise thing to do. But God had specifically instructed him, don't count your army. So David counts his army. And God says, dude, I told you not to do that uh, through the prophet Gad. And I'm not going to talk about this today, but it's a a very fascinating story. He says, "Uh, I told you not to do that. As punishment, do you want three days of plague three months of being on the run for your, for your, from your enemies or, or three years of drought. Take your pick. And um, David chose the three days of plague, and we can debate whether or not that was foolish. But this is what it says. David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men, and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg of you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a foolish thing. Okay, so Nabal is an adjective. This is a verb. I have done a very sakal thing is the verb that is used. I've done a very uh, sakal thing. So this kind of this is a verb, and it's used to describe actions that are dangerous or contrary to the best interests of those around you. Okay? This is the word that, sakal is the word that is used to describe that. So David knew that he wasn't supposed to count his army and that the Lord would be mad at him if he did. And then he did it anyway, right? Okay, so to do, to engage in actions that are dangerous or contrary to your best interests and the interests of those around you. We know, I know very clearly what this looks like in that I should not eat Baconators. And yet, I eat Baconators. Right? That is completely sakal. That is a sakal thing for me to do. It is contrary to my best interests. It's going to make me heavier. It's going to make me feel kind of gross about an hour afterwards, even though those 15 minutes are amazing. Or five, if we're honest. Um, uh, 
It's going to, you know, and, and ultimately it's going to kill me quicker, right? It is contrary to my best interest and in the long term dangerous, but I'm doing it anyway. That is a Sakal thing to do. We can see that's with fairly minor consequences if you consider death by heart disease minor consequences. But we also, I have seen people destroy their marriages in the same way. It's like, I know I shouldn't be talking to this person. I, I know I shouldn't be sharing Facebook messages with this old girlfriend that I had back in high school. I know that that's probably a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's a Sakal thing to do. You're acting, you know that it's dumb, but you're doing it anyway. So a fool is someone who ignores the obvious. A fool is someone who acts in dangerous ways contrary to their own self-interest. This is uh, another one that's my personal favorite uh, of them. Uh, And this is from, uh, this is a a noun. It describes a group of people or a person. Uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And uh, this word is evil or evil. It's the same word where we, the same root where we get the word evil. Um, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but evil or evils, this is the group of people, uh, despise wi- wisdom and knowledge. And this is uh, describes very specifically throughout the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, people who are dumb, but who are also proud of it. Right? So this is people who are ignorant, but are also proud and stubborn in their ignorance. These are people who start arguments and quarrels over things that don't matter. And as they see the evidence of their foolish, foolishness mount up, they continue to demand that, 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 that they be treated as, as right and argue to the death anyone who would argue that they were wrong. This is, uh, uh, throughout the book of Proverbs, it says, like, don't argue with an evil, like, you're just wasting your time. They don't, um, uh, there's other words that are like, uh, these people are only fit for beatings. Like, that's, uh, they, they, it's the only way to deal with them. Um, so, uh, there's no, unfortunately, we don't have a specific example other than just being needlessly quarrelsome, uh, in the Bible. But I think that in our contemporary day, this would describe the comments section of anything on the internet, right? We know what this is like. People who are, who are, who are dumb but proud of it. Okay? So a foolish person ignores the obvious. They act in dangerous ways that are contrary to their self-interest. They are proud and stubborn in their own foolishness. And now we move into the New Testament definitions of fool, which are very similar, uh, but, but also slightly nuanced. And this is from, uh, uh, Titus 3. And Jesus had a lot to say about fools. Paul had a lot to say about fools, but, uh, this is kind of a, an, an, uh, easy one to get into. And this is from Titus 3. Paul is instructing Titus about how to lead his church. And he, he's saying that there's things that he should engage in and things that he shouldn't engage in. And he says, uh, something that he should avoid, but avoid controversies foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless, uh, which is interesting because this is kind of what I did for four years at Bible college. But this is uh, the what he's been called to is, but avoid, again, this word, moray controversies. Uh, the, moros is is the 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 word, and this is again the same word where, where the same word where we get the term moron. Um, it, it just means kind of foolish and stupid, but also it's used um, for a knife or sword or axe with a dull edge. Okay, 
So, so in addition to just kind of uh, to an unawareness, it's there's a uselessness about it. This is a tool that is designed for some, but uh, designed for for some sort of task, but because it's it hasn't worked itself out right, because it's not sharp, it can't be used in that way. And uh, so, so we can we all know what it's like to have people who have rendered themselves useless because of the activities that they engage in, or because of the, of the ideas that they have, or just want to argue with you about things that don't matter. Um, a fool is a person who engages in useless activity, and by engaging in useless activity, renders themselves useless. Right. Um, there's lots of things that you can think of in this, but but we all, I, 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 yeah, we all do this all the time. We know what that is like. I, um, um, yeah, I'm feeling convicted at the moment uh, about some uh, so, some video game time. <laughs> um, so and and then again, this is the other word which I find very interesting. And as uh, Paul makes a contrast for the people of Ephesus, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, this obviously helps us distinguish between foolish and, and wise, is that foolish people don't understand what the Lord's will is, and wise people do. Um, this, but this word actually helps us, because the word is a friend. Therefore, do not be a friend but understand what the Lord is. Um, and what's interesting is ah in Greek is the negative. It's the, it's the, the way that you negate whatever comes after it. And friend has to do with sight. You know, it's being able to see. So do not be without sight. Don't be uh, without insight, but, but understand things. This talks about an unwillingness or an inability to see the obvious and react in an appropriate manner. Okay, so to be able to 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 to, to see what's going on around you, to 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 be able to, and this talks a little bit. This has the idea of like seeing into the future a little bit, but the inability to see that if I do X, then Y will happen, right? And again, this this is in some ways similar to Sakal, but like. But Afren is the inability to see that, like, if I eat a bunch of Baconators, then I'm going to get fat. That is the natural consequence that comes out of that, right? But if I, if I ignore that or I, or I'm unable to see that, then I am a friend. I'm without understanding. So what is a fool? A fool ignores the obvious. A fool acts in dangerous ways that are, that are contrary to their own self-interest. A fool is proud and stubborn. A fool engages in useless and fruitless activity. And a fool is unwilling or unable to see obvious consequences. Now, now that we've done all that, what is the point of this? What is the point of spending this time engaging in the different varieties and minutiae of foolishness other than just me having fun with it? I think it's important for us as the people of God, if we're going to talk about what is right and just and fair and live as wise rather than unwise, we need to be to examine our own actions because the reality is none of us are perfect. And the first person that God calls us to look at to check for foolishness is ourselves. So rather than looking, rather than looking at someone else's activities, someone else's attitudes, someone else's ideas, we also we ought to be running our own uh, our own behaviors and habits and, and attitudes through this ourselves. How am I ignoring the obvious in my own life? How am I 
acting in dangerous ways that are contrary to my own self-interest? How am I proud and stubborn? How am I engaging in useless activity? How am I unable or unwilling to see obvious consequences? If we find ourselves in a position where we're having conflict again and again and again and again, and things aren't going our way, or we find ourselves constantly arguing with, our, with people, we can run ourselves through di- this diagnostic and do it Uh, individually with the help of the Holy Spirit, but also with our brothers and sisters and say, hey, what foolishness do you see in me? I'm very blessed that I have a team of elders that if I have an idea that may be foolish, I get to run things through them. And and hopefully, uh, and they have in the past, they have the, the courage of their convictions to say like, yeah, you're off base on this one. This is, you're, you're wrong. You know, you, I have a wife who's very willing to tell me when I'm acting foolish. Um, But we do this for ourselves first. The second part, I think, is even more helpful. Because one of the things that I see from the people of God is that we know that the world is acting in a foolish manner. We know that we have friends and family that we deeply love that commit the same dumb act over and over again to their own detriment. And we get angry and frustrated or we get afraid and and bitter and and we don't know how to deal with that but i would suggest to you that seeing someone's actions as foolish is very different than seeing someone's actions as evil because you don't what you ought to do with a fool in all honesty is either pity is a strong word but have compassion for them oh you don't know any better Or, and, and, and if you have to, ignore them. But you don't need to fear a fool. You don't need to hate a fool. You don't need to lash out at a fool. You don't need to attack a fool. Sometimes, and this is one of the worst things that we can do as Christians, we feel like our ideas about the world are being attacked, so we get our fists up and we're like, well, we got to fight about this because, because you're, you're an evil person. And it's like, maybe, but they're also just foolish. And we can stand in the comfort of our own truth without having to attack other people. Right? We can stand comfortably and say, like, okay, I get it. You're, but uh, you're foolish and, and we don't have to argue about this thing. And you're going to see the consequences of your action eventually without the benefit of me having to, to attack you. In a world where we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, and the Bible is quite clear that some of our neighbors are fools it's very helpful for us to remember that fools are lovable. And that as we read the news and as we, as we see all of these ideas that just strike us as just complete and utter nonsense, it's, it's important for us to, rem- to, to be able to laugh that off and say like, okay, well, there's a foolishness inherent in this that is going to become apparent without the benefit of my needing to fight about it, without the benefit of me having to blast it all over the internet or write a blog post about it. I'm, 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 tr- I'm struggling with a way to communicate how important I think this is because it feels trivial as we're talking about foolishness. It feels trivial to... Um, 
it feels it, it, it feels trivial, and also it feels really arrogant to be like, ah, these people are foolish, and I'm wise. Look how wise I am, and that feels like an arrogant thing to do. But I need to have a category in which to play. Like, I need to have a category in which to place people and ideas that are that are that are confronting me all the time. Otherwise, I'm just going to be furious all the time. I I have a lot of friends who are atheists. And some of them are very smart atheists, and some of them are the dumbest atheists that I've ever seen in the world. And, and I, I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago about people that are like, well, the Bible, uh, the Bible no one has original translations of the Bible, therefore the Bible is completely uh, useless, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And if I had to respond to that every time with anger and fear... And I do sometimes, and I shouldn't. But if I had to respond, if, if all I had was anger and fear, then then I would just spend all day like throwing punches and yelling at people. But I can just say like, okay, that's foolish nonsense, and I don't have to engage in it. I don't have to go comment on your YouTube video. I don't. I don't. I. This is. I'm not. I. I, I can ignore that. Because this doesn't affect me. Foolishness doesn't break into the heart of who I am. Foolishness doesn't uh, encounter my words. And I, sorry, foolishness doesn't. The words of the foolish don't affect the truth of who God is and what's happening in the world. And and I and and this is an incredibly helpful. And I I don't want us to be arrogant in this, but I want us to be courageous in this. Proverbs, uh, Psalm 1 says, uh, blessed is the man who does not walk in the, let's just go there and I'll read it because I'll get it wrong. Psalm 1 talks about the, uh, blessed is the one. Okay, one, it's, it's man, but it's supposed to be gender inclusive. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law and the Lord and uh, who meditates on this law day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, who is, whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do, they pro- pro- prosper. That is what we are able to do in this. If we are rooted in the truth of who God is and what he's doing, we can stand in the midst of the, the vacillating tides and floods of foolishness. And we can ignore the ridiculous around us. And we can keep producing fruit and blessing the world around us. We can truly be what Peter called us to be. Live such good, li- live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven on the day that he visits us. It's possible for us to live this way. And, and, and this filter of foolishness enables us to do it. So the challenge for us is when we see all of the messages that are confronting us at, on a day-to-day basis that just cause us to be like, <laughs> we can categorize them. And are we willing in the midst of foolishness to, to, to turn off our hate, to turn off our anger, to turn off our fear, and to allow the love that God has given us to love the foolish? Because if we're really honest, we're foolish a lot of the time ourselves. Let's pray together. God, we are foolish and we get distracted and, and, and we're people who do not see the obvious and we're people who create realities that are not true and try to live in them. 
but we trust that that we trust that you that there is truth in this world and that you are truth and that as Jesus said that he is the way the truth and the life and that you can guide us towards you and we can have clarity in this world not arrogance but a clarity that and a, and a firmness and a solidity and a foundation that blesses the people around us so help us to deal well in a foolish world Help us to be consistently repenting of our own foolish actions. And help us to reach out and truly love our neighbors as ourselves, recognizing and laughing at our own actions and our own inability to see the world around us for what it is and how patient you have been with us. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.